A good near of Shabbos to our friends and members of the Westmount Shul. There's lots of interesting things happening in the world uh, last week and this week. I'd like to focus on uh, two of them. One is the very sad tragedy that happened in Yerushalayim yesterday where a young teenage yeshiva boy was killed in a very terrible explosion, a terrorist explosion. Nebuch, from a family of people who made Aliyah from Canada. Very, very sad. Very sad that this still continues in Eretz Yisrael. We have to worry about terrorism. We have to worry about the threat of Iran trying to destroy Eretz Yisrael. And all kinds of uh, issues in the Middle East. The uh, Iran negotiations, United States is looks like it's going to continue to capitulate. Uh, that's one thing that we're noticing. Another thing people are talking about regarding Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter and the layoff of half of that social media's giant workforce as more than a thousand employees have refused their new bosses required to work extremely hardcore. Instead, they're quitting en masse. So I want to talk a little bit about that and to uh, see what the Torah has to say about both of these subjects and how we should look at it as Torah Jews. So let's take a look at the one section. We don't know a lot about Yitzhak. There's not a lot of discussion about Yitzhak in the Torah except for his digging of wells. And if that's all the Torah mainly focuses on Yitzhak's active work, so what is the message of the wells and our understanding of Yitzhak? And let's look at one particular aspect. I'm not going to go over the entire story of Yitzhak in Gror with Avimelech, but to make a long story short, Yitzhak had to dig many wells. His father Avram had dug three wells a generation earlier, and those wells got plugged up by the Plishtim. And when Yitzchak came back, he unplugged them. He needed more wells. He dug three more wells. The Plishtim fought over two of them. Yitzchak let them have it. But then he got a, a third well. They stopped bothering him. And then finally, as he's working, moves away a little bit, and he's working on another well, Avimelech comes and wants to make a peace treaty. With Yitzchak, and Yitzchak uh, questions him. Says, "What do you want a peace treaty for?" He says, "Well, I see that your God is with you, and since you've left, those things haven't gone well." And they uh, they make a treaty, and then after the treaty, the um, employer employees of Yitzchak say, "We've struck another great well," so they call that well Shiva Seven. And therefore, it says, Alkane, therefore, Shema Ir, therefore, the name of that city is Be'er Sheva. The Be'er Sheva Ad until this day. And the question is this seems to be deja vu all over again, because in the previous generation, when uh, Avimelech made a peace treaty with Avram, and in the very same place, 
And it says over there, and Afra made a big feast for them, and they made a, a, a peace treaty that neither one will hurt each other. And, and over there it says, Alkane therefore Karola Mokamahu Be'er Shava. And therefore they named the place Be'er Shava, Kisham Nishpa Ushneim, because both of them swore at this place. So it's very interesting. Avram already called it Be'er Shava. So what do we need Yitzchak to call it Be'er Shava? More than that, when Avram called, it says that's what they called it. But by Yitzchak it says they called it Be'er Shava Ad Hayom Hazeh. Until this day. So what do you mean until this day? And what about beforehand it was not until this day? So that's the question. Um, and and so what are you going to say? That maybe when Avram dug it, it was forgotten. But when Yitzhak does, it's remembered. What's the difference? So what's the significance of all this? We have to understand why was it called Be'er Shava? So the Sephorno says an incredible shot. If you look very carefully, that's what you have to read very carefully. It says that Avram called the place Be'er Shava. And Yitzchak called the place Be'er Sheva. There was an A and an E. And what's the difference? So the Sforno says he called it Sheva from the word Shiva, the seventh well. It was the seventh well, and therefore the number for seven is Sheva, with a segel. Okay. Now, in the days of Avram, uh, they didn't. It wasn't the seventh well. There was an oath, and it was called Be'er Shava because of the oath that was made. Like a shvu is an oath. So by Avram, there was only an oath, and therefore they called it Be'er Shava. Yitzchak, there was an oath, but it was also the seventh well, so therefore they call it Be'er Sheva. Very interesting uh, grammatical understanding of the Sephorna, but still may, may explain why one place is called Sheva, one place is called Shava, but why is Yitzchak's remaining until now and Avram's was not? So we have to understand this idea it's a much deeper fundamental idea to understand what was the main difference between Avram and Yitzhak. Avram was a man, was a very exciting character, a very charismatic character. Avram started a revolution. He must change the world. He changed the world from being a pagan world to understanding that there was ethical monotheism. Some of the fortunes say he changed half the world. They were, they were monotheists. And it's very exciting. And there's a lot of things in life that can be exciting. I imagine when Twitter first came out, it was very exciting. You have a way of you know, having an, an open forum uh, in that, uh, in that uh, social uh, tech world. And people can just say what they want to say. Very exciting, made a lot of money. And, you know, revolutions are very exciting. Everyone likes to join a revolution. Everyone wants to be in something new and fresh, and that's what Avram was. But we also know that we don't hear much about Avram's students, all the people he was makarev, all the people they brought close to God. It doesn't seem 
it lasted. On the other hand, Yitzchak, what was there for Yitzchak to do? Everything was already laid down as Avram had laid it down and had brought this whole change to the world. But as exciting as the revolution of, of ethical monotheism is, still the excitement goes away after a certain period of time. And people acknowledged him. He was a, a legendary hero. But on the other hand, what's Yitzchak? He's only digging wells. Because many movements, as great as they are, they fizzle out and they're not maintained. What Yitzchak did by digging the wells, it is not just he dug wells, but in a deeper sense, in an existential sense, he was digging inside of himself to see where he fits into all this. And he also constructed, as we call, the internal structures of Yiddishkeit. The simplest example is, you know, people get very excited to go on a diet and they lose a lot of weight in the beginning, but that's not the real thing. The excitement wears off. It's something called maintenance. And that is a much harder thing to have. And Avram, who was impacting the message of ethical monotheism to the world, that was amazing. And, and Avram was a free thinker. He was the chesed and being able to expand his kindness to the world. But there comes a point where too much kindness may not work. And we need to build internal structures for each and every Jew. And we know that system creation is not exciting as bringing something to the, to the, from out of nowhere. And therefore, he digs wells. Which really means Yitzhak understands the secret of internalizing the message. We say that Judaism is all about tikkun olam, to repair the world. That sounds exciting. But when you're repairing a world, you have to understand there's an internal labor for each and every one of us in this repairing the world. And therefore, we have to dig. When you dig a well, you dig through dirt till you go deep, deep to find out what's really there. And then you find water. And therefore, if we want to change the world, which is amazing, but you have to have an infrastructure. And the infrastructure is each and every human being is part of that great uh, quest to change the world. But you've got to be a person who's willing to work at it. And therefore, you got to dig through the dirt. You ha cannot be smug. You cannot be complacent. You have to challenge yourself to the core. And therefore, what do we find by Yitzchak? Yitzchak, first of all, <coughs> you see... So we see that although Avram was a very exciting person and he was able to make treaties with very powerful countries, but you got to know, treaties and excitement, and you could imagine there was uh, all the uh, news uh, uh, agencies were at the lawn of the White House of Gror to make the great announcement. A great peace was made between Avimelech, the, the non-believer, and Avram the believer, and Avram made a celebration. But you have to know that diplomacy and politics do not endure. And the essence of Judaism cannot exist based on external approval, but must be something in your core. So although Avram was a great diplomat, 
And people were wowed by his diplomacy. And he made feasts and people made promises. And he was able to change many people. But unless it gets into your core, nothing will last. And that's why when one generation, all the wells that Avram dug were plugged up by the Plishtim. The world of Chesed to make wells available for everybody, the Plishtim plugged them up. Yitzhak, on the other hand, was also a diplomat. He made feasts as well for Avimelech, but he remembered what the essence of Jewish life is. And when he redug Avram's first wells, he gave him the same names. But then he saw, you know what? I can't just do everything exactly like my father. There has to be a little bit of creativity and I have to find how Judaism speaks to me personally. And therefore, when he named three more wells, he gave them new names to reflect the deep essence of who he is and the changes that he makes. And as much as Avram did groundbreaking work, but it needed stability. And therefore the names did not endure. But when Yitzhak came along, he brought that stability. And finally, he comes to the seventh well. Now, obviously, these seven wells are hinting to the seven spheros of Chesed through Malchus and how we develop that within ourselves. And Yitzhak therefore says, I'm going to name this well not because of the oath, because oaths can come and go. Exciting new uh, 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 political changes can come and go. But the oath, but the digging of the seventh well, the work, the working, the internal working to make yourself so fitting to be part of the tikkun olam that has to exist, that's a much more difficult task. Not everybody wanted to get involved in that task. And that's what Yitzchak did. Yitzchak now, if you want to be able to change the world, you have to first change yourself. And you have to be who you are. And Avram was an amazing person of chesed. He was amazing. But chesed alone is not going to change the world. Yitzhak said, I understand there's chesed and I totally accept that chesed. And I do many things that my father did. But I also have to find out where my personal connection to Hashem is. And that was through Gvuras, self-control. Self-control is that you're willing every day, every day, you work on yourself and you work on your Avodah Hashem. And certainly some people like the exciting parts of Yiddishkeit. They like the Shabbatons. They like a Friday night dinner. But what about the part that really digs inside of you? Character change. Studying things that are not easy. Being willing to be mavater, to learn how to give in to other people. That you got to dig inside. And the truth of the matter is, when all the people that Avram converted saw, you know, this is not such an easy thing, they weren't interested. And just like the Marines, we need a select few that are tough as, as, uh, as he, as, uh, as Elon Musk said, we need the hardcore. Now let's think about this. What are we experiencing now? We're experiencing a world that all dip diplomatic gains that happened a couple of years ago through the Abram Accords and all these things, are they going to last? Who knows? As Jews, do we feel safe Jews because there are accords? You see, the non-Jewish world flips around all the time. 
It's not easy to stay and stay the course. It's not easy to put pressures on Iran, which were successfully done on the previous president, instead to let things go. It's very hard. You live in a world that has developed because of the liberal-minded thinking, just throw money at people. And of course, people in San Francisco, which is Twitter's headquarters, when the city offers guaranteed income to certain protected classes of individuals, musicians, artisans, writers, post-birth mothers, even if you are transgender, you get $1,200 a month. Why would you want to work? Everything's taken care of you. That will bode the destruction of the United States. Why should allies keep their treaties? Why do we have to listen, you know, agree with the agreements that we had before? And that's why the terrorists can feel, ah, we could kill a few more Jews. Nothing is really going to happen. They'll hit us a little bit, but it's, you see, that's what happens when you, you slack off for a while. And now when, when you demand from your workers to really work, ah, work! Huh, I can't do that. And you could see the collapse of the United States, the collapse of every place, because we're lacking the, that Yitzchak involvement of digging deep and really understanding who you are. And you could say that the difference in Avram and Yitzchak is similar as you find in Hasidus between the Baal Shem Tov and the Mezritcher Magid. The Baal Shem Tov, when he spread Hasidus to the world, he traveled around the world. He was a very charismatic character. He changed so many people. But his premier disciple, the Mezritcher Magid, didn't go anywhere. What was he doing? He was developing the internal structure of Hasidus, which is so important. And therefore, as we're going through these parshas, we should notice, you know, people, they don't really want to work very hard. They want to do anything but work. So many people are saying they can't find work, can't find workers. There's so much unemployment, not because people can't find a job, they don't want to find a job. The real question we have to ask ourselves, let's look at Yiddishkeit. For Yiddishkeit to thrive as a nation, we need people to be involved in a Be'er Sheva and not a Be'er Shava. Or Shava, not a Be'er Sheva. We need people to understand that it's the seven. It's the wells that we dig. Be'er Sheva, Sheva, seven wells. I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging within myself. Then it'll be Ad Hayom Hazet, it will be forever. But if I just rely on Shava promises, the government says we'll pay off your, your, your debt from university. The government says I'll give you this money not to work. There's all so many promises, treaties between countries. We're going to be nice to China. Meanwhile, China just takes you all over and doesn't keep one word of what they say. And they try to destroy you in the same process. All these things don't have any stability. But what has that stability? Rolling up your sleeves. And working hard. That's what it says in the book of Eov. Adam la amal yulad. A person was created to work hard. That's when you're going to get your pleasure. The Jewish people have the job of tikkun olam. 
many Jews have felt it's not that important to me. I just go off the path. Let other Jews take care of it. I'll just sit back and watch Netflix and enjoy my life. But there's others who will take care of this. I'll coast on this. I'll coast on all the efforts that earlier generations made. We have to understand the only way we're going to last is with Be'er Sheva. That seventh well. You dug a well, but guess what? Wells dry up. You got to dig another well. You dig a well, others close the well. You have to remember, a well, first wells, it just, you know, when you dig a well, you say, I can't rely on rain. Rain is the handout. The well, some wells, you know, gather water from rain, but you're really going until you find what? Where you hit a spring. And that's what Yitzhak kept digging wells, digging wells, till he hit Mamish, a spring with has an aquifer. You've hit pay dirt. And now you worked so hard, you dug so far down, all of a sudden, boom, the water's coming like crazy. And now you're able to take care of things and you don't have to worry if the rain will come. You don't have to worry if other people give you approval from outside, like the rain coming from outside, where I have it within myself and I'm not worried, I'm not scared. I don't worry what other people think or say. And this is what Yitzhak is teaching us. It's not the most glorified work. But it's the work that keeps us going. So we all like, I'm going to open up a, a tech company. I'm going to make $10 billion. And I'm going to retire at 28. That's not the way Hashem wanted the world to be. Of course, we don't mind if you make a lot of money. But you have to keep working and working and working. And that's why if you don't do that, what happens is people get fooled into putting millions and millions of dollars into a phony Bitcoin. And they lose all their money. Because they figure, let's just let's just take the easy way. You're seeing through eyes of the Torah, the easy way is not the way. If you want to have it be eternal, it's got to be Be'er Sheva. If you like the, the glitz and the glory and the announcements that peace in our time and all this, it will not be Adayomazeh. That won't be Adayomazeh. And your generations will not be Adayomazeh. The only reason we have Jews until today is because we nurture from Yitzchak. And from that nurturing of Yitzchak, we now have that ability to be consistent and to work within the structures. We have to make a structure in our life. We have to know that during my day, there's certain things I do at certain times. If you're a man, you know you get up at 6 o'clock. Why? Because you're going to be at davening at 6.30. And then you learn a Torah share. At 7.30. And then you learn with another Chavrusa till 8.30. And then, if you can, you take your grandchildren to, to school in a carpool. And then you move on to the next section. You have to have set things where you're working hard, you're doing things that are not easy. But those are the things that bring eternity. Many of us, unfortunately, only are looking for the glitz. But the truth of the matter is, it's not only the glitz. It is the ability to continue to uh, work hard and hard. And if you're lucky and you get something that's amazing and you're able to accomplish a big thing, wonderful. But the truth is, that's not the main thing. The uh, ceremonies, the awards, that is not the main thing. 
The main thing is what Yitzchak does. And the more that you do what Yitzchak does, the more success you are going to experience in your life. He closed with a story. The story was when the yeshiva in Warsaw, uh, Lublin, of the yeshiva of Chachmei Lublin was opened. It was opened under the guidance of the great tzaddik Rav Moshe Shapiro, who was the one who also began the Dafyomi. And it was a great renovation, revolution. Why? Because it would be the first time to be a yeshiva with a real dormitory. This was before World War II, where Bachram could have a place to sleep, a, a dining room, a place to eat. It didn't have to be the old-fashioned way. And there'd be incredible Torah learning. This was a great major breakthrough. And at the great, at the groundbreaking ceremony, a lot of people were praising Rav Moshe Shapiro. And the Chortka Varebi, who was very close with Rav Moshe Shapiro, said at the, he was the last speaker. And as the last speaker, he said, we've heard many amazing things about Rav Moshe Shapiro, a lot about his accomplishments. And many people are saying, what a great job he did. And perhaps many of us could be jealous of his accomplishments. Dafyomi, he now has a yeshiva that is 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 the the the, the most modern way, state of the art in those days. He says the truth is, I'm not jealous of any of that. You know why? Because that's that came because Hashem helped him. But you know what I'm really jealous about? There has to be a great hidden thing a great hidden mitzvah, a great hidden challenge that Rav Moshe Shvira had to overcome. And when you overcame that, then came the reward of building this yeshiva. That's what I'm jealous of. Now we'll never know exactly what that was, but the Chortka Rebbe was so clear that it had to be. To have those Avram moments are amazing. But to be able to get to that point, and be able to maintain those points. There has to be something not as glamorous, not as exciting. Something deep down in a well that nobody could see. And that's why he was able to build such a yeshiva. So I give us a bracha that in our times where we see that laziness is praised. No expectations of keeping treaties and covenants. And we can never trust any nations in the world. Not even the Israeli government we can't trust because one day the one's in, one's out, one's this, and what and you see what's happening. It's only one thing that is in our control to do the tikkun on that we're looking for is to keep digging inside of ourselves and to find the true nature of who we are and to be loyal to that nature of who we are. And to ask ourselves to dig in and say, Am I am I doing what Hashem really wants me to do? Do I really care about the Jewish people? Or am I just cruising along? And if it gets hard, I will quit. I don't want to work anymore. You should have the bracha to want to dig and dig and dig. Until what? We find that aquifer inside of ourselves where we'll be tremendous powerhouses in giving over Torah to the next generation as Yitzchak did. He took it over from the innovator to Yaakov who would vomish complete the 12 tribes, through his great effort, or Mizocha, to appreciate that gift and to use it wisely until the final glorious day of Mashiach will come. Amen. Thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos.